party people. Thank you for joining us. Yes, we've we've got we've got interesting material today. And uh, unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately for Marcos, he's got time off. Unfortunately for us, he's not with us. But I do have our one of my well, really my favorite pollster, to be honest, Drew Linzer. Um, and he's going to talk about. Uh, well, the two of us are going to talk about a poll that we did recently with a special emphasis on transgender Americans and transgender freedoms and how the you know electorate is sort of receiving these issues ahead of a national cycle, a presidential cycle that is going to include a lot of it. And I just want to say up front that you know, overall, I had a pretty positive response to this poll in terms of what came out of it. I think there's going to be people who are really anxious and interested in this information. And there might be some people listening who think, I don't know how transgender issues really like affect me. I just want people to know that this coming presidential cycle is going to be really ugly on the Republican side in terms of the way they target transgender issues. Now, it's not going to be the only thing they're targeting, right? They're targeting um, reproductive freedom. They're targeting parental rights um, on more than just trans- transgender issues. Um, they're, you know, they they have, there's a whole host of, they're, they're pushing book bans. Um, they're targeting, you know, education uh, on topics like uh, black history, you know, which seems like a no brainer. Yeah, we got to teach black history. This is part of a whole plant panoply of of issues that that Republicans are going to take aim at. And, you know, it is. But this year, it's going to be especially ugly for transgender Americans in the sense that it is a focus for Trump. It is something that he is counting on to try to sort of outpace um, his chief rival, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, to his right. He's trying to get just as far right on on transgender issues and gay issues to some extent um, as as uh, Governor DeSantis has has gotten. And then he's going to and then the other thing that Trump will do is try to go a little bit further to the left on things like Social Security and some other issues that he can sell that are more mainstreamable so that he can both, you know, be far, far right for the MAGA extremists, but also like a little bit more palatable on some some other issues like Social Security and Medicare. Sorry, I'm going to let I will. Drew's not actually a hostage. He's here and he's waiting and I will ask him questions. Um, But this is something uh, polling, uh, doing some polling on transgender issues is something that we kind of considered doing uh, a couple years ago. And to me, it didn't seem like the national conversation was ripe for it yet. That didn't mean that there weren't a lot of terribly anti-trans bills going through state legislatures that were also terribly harmful and um, do did deep injustices to people, certainly caused suicides, right? Certainly caused people to get kicked out of their homes by their parents um, that caused a whole lot of, of deep harms to people. Most of this was happening in the red states. And what I was concerned about was I didn't want to ask you know, a bunch, ask a, a, a national audience a bunch of hypothetical questions about transgender issues um, that they weren't really contemplating in their day to day lives and how it might affect them, their parenting, their neighbor's parenting, 
um, their you know, their their immediate peers, parenting, etc. How it might affect their daughter or their son or you know, sister or brother. So I, I wanted the. I felt like this was the time to move forward with a national taking of the pulse on these issues. And in doing that, um, I asked Drew Linzer, who is the director and co-founder of Civics Polling. He has 23 years experience in polling. He has a PhD in poli-sci from UCLA. Go Bruins. Is that the Bruins? Yes. Yes. Okay. We do this monthly polling where Daily Coast writers say, hey, I have an interest in this subject matter. And then Civics folks go ahead and work up a series of questions on those issues that we can then use in our writing. It is, I have to say, amazing to be able to think, I wonder what, and then, you know, maybe civics will pick up on it and and do it. And a lot of times they do. I went to Drew with this idea and the civics team with this idea. They came through with a really, really good poll. Um, One of the things we discussed was the potential of talking about some specific bills, right, that have been done. Like there's the whole DeSantis don't don't say gay bills that have been, you know, gotten sort of infamous now. It's gotten a lot of attention in Florida and nationally. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of other bills too. The Tennessee governor just signed a bill that that outlaws um, drag shows. And uh, he also signed a bill that outlaws uh, giving gender affirming care to transgender youth. In other words, inserting the government in the space between a parent and their child and what kind of medical and healthcare decisions they're making for a child who might be identifying as trans or as a different you know, uh, gender than what they were marked as on their uh, birth certificate. So, um, Drew, will you tell us a little bit about why the the type of questions you decided to ask and why you decided to ask those questions? Sure. Well, it's it's really a collaboration uh, where obviously you you came to us and said, "Here's a whole bunch of ideas of things that are politically." of the moment that are relevant, that could be interesting, that could add something to the public awareness and certainly your own writing. Once that conversation was started, uh, you know, you and I talked about a lot of different ways to actually implement uh, specific questions that would make sense to people in the United States, regardless of their, you know, their political leanings, um, that would actually be informative and, and useful and would be questions that people would find interesting themselves and be able to answer, uh, which is not always an easy thing to do. Um, One of the big conversations you'll call that we had was about whether to approach this survey from more of a values perspective or more of a policy perspective. So for example, it's a perfectly valid survey question to ask, here's a here's a bill that's being proposed or has passed in a a state. What do you think about it? or we could take a different tack and ask people about their their core beliefs um, towards the towards the ideas that that bill is trying to represent or make policy on the basis of. And we decided to go in the values direction. And the reason that we did that was because once we start asking about policy, and as soon as people 
hear a policy question and can pick up on where that policy is coming from. In, in current political climate, a lot of these policies are coming from the right, from Republicans. Um, to the extent that people are partisan, they get that they should start answering in a partisan way. And what we thought we wanted to do, even though all these bills are coming up and these policy proposals are coming up, we wanted to try to get uh, beneath the, the specific policies uh, and, and not trigger people's partisan responses, but actually try to understand where their minds were, where their hearts were, what they actually thought was the right thing to do in society and for the United States, regardless of how a particular politician or a particular legislature, a particular state has decided to, um, you know, put some, put some policy or put some law into place. And so that's what we did. It was, um, it was a bit back and forth because this is a, this is a difficult subject. Um, it's difficult with language to effectively communicate to, um, you know, regular Americans who are going to be interviewing what it is that we're actually asking. Uh, some of the terminology is sometimes a bit uh, confusing to people or who aren't experts or activists who aren't in the day-to-day -day conversation. So, um, so writing questions using accessible, understandable language, uh, getting at ideas that people can actually express opinions on. So uh, like you were saying, not just hypothetical situations, but actual things that, that make sense to people um, and, that, and that are a bit forward-looking. So the results that we'll be talking about, I think turned out to be very interesting, but, but also just as importantly, very useful. Uh, useful for framing how we think and talk about what Americans really want and how in many ways that is at odds with the sorts of policies that, uh, that a lot of Republican politicians are, are pushing these days. Right. And, and I want to say, too, that as a journalist, you know, I, I covered the same-sex marriage movement and, and uh, you know, other LGBTQ issues for, you know, a decade. It was my beat between, like, 2005 to 2016, okay? That was, like, almost all of what I wrote. Not, not exactly, but and then I wrote a book on it, and, you know, so... So what I, I was based in Washington during a, a solid part of that time that I was doing that coverage. And even, I mean, I know this, people are going to find this bizarre because, you know, in some ways, like there's this huge backlash to all the progress that was made. But, you know, even when Barack Obama came into office in 2009, I can tell you that Democrats were still scared stiff of gay issues, not just trans issues, gay issues, like repealing the, the military's don't ask, don't tell policy, the, the gay ban, as it's called, um, or as it was called. <clears throat> that was ultimately repealed at the end of 2010. But the administration was very tepid on doing that. Um, and that's a lot of what my book is about. Um, and then, you know, uh, the idea of, you know, Barack Obama himself was afraid of pushing forward, you know, same-sex marriage too fast for the American public. Um, and so, you know, th th these were issues, I think a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, it's the Democrats, they're pro-gay, they're pro-LGBTQ, they're pro-trans, right? It's really important, especially with the national conversation that's getting ready to be had about these issues, um, that Democrats feel the power of public opinion behind them, 
that they feel like these are issues that they can talk about in a way that are accessible to just sort of average Americans, but still affirming to, you know, LGBTQ Americans. And I still don't think that, you know, Democrats have really, national Democrats have really found their stride on this. You know, someone like a lot of you, if you are, you know, sort of tuned into transgender issues, will remember State Senator Mallory McMorrow in um, in Michigan, who last year had like a breakout viral moment of this amazing speech she gave where she just took Republicans in the state legislature to town and gave them a drubbing over their anti-trans rhetoric and trying to smear her reputation. And I mean, it was a thing of beauty. You can Google it and find it if you want to listen to it. But the point is, is that she, she can, she can talk about the values on their face she can win by virtue of having the courage of her convictions, right? Not everybody on every issue can win by virtue of the courage of their convictions. And what we're trying to do here is get Democrats who don't necessarily, who, who may have, you know, be on the right side of the issue, but don't have the courage of their convictions to be able to feel comfortable talking about these issues in a positive way throughout this next cycle, because, um, because, the, the Republicans are absolutely going to be stressing this. The national campaigns, the state level, they're going to be stressing this. And, um, and I'm reminding people it's part of a bigger picture of an attack on American freedoms, right? It's not just, tw- it's not just out there on its own. But we don't want Democrats to leave transgender people and transgender issues out of the conversation. That would be a disaster and a huge political mistake, Okay, so anyway, let's go forward. Um, Drew, what was what kind of struck you um, overall about the responses or was there a specific response that sort of struck you? Well, I thought the main takeaway. Well, before we get into the main takeaway, I just want to say if you if you want to see the full report that we're going to be talking about, um, we do have it on the civics website. So if you go to civics, C-I-V-I-Q-S dot com, there's a section on the website uh, for news and reports. And this most recent survey uh, is up there. It says the title is report Americans believe in the right to choose personal pronouns. And you can read more about this and get all the details and the cross tabs and all the good stuff. Um, But that, that headline captures to me a lot of what the main takeaway was, which is that fundamentally there is very broad support among Americans for uh, for this notion of freedom uh, for people to identify in the way that they want. And it comes through in many ways. It's not just about pronouns, although um, we did specifically ask about that. Um, we had a question that read, do you, or, do you agree or disagree with the following statement? Everyone has the right to use the gender pronouns that match their personal identity. And 59% of Americans said that they agree with that versus only 32% who disagree. So it's nearly two to one. Um, there is very broad support for that notion of, of freedom. Um, it, that idea arose again in other questions. Um, when we asked, for example, 
whether people thought that uh, parents of children who identify as transgender transgender should be allowed to make the healthcare decisions for their kids that they think is best versus uh, believing that there should be government limits on the types of treatment and care that doctors are allowed to provide to transgender kids. Again, right. like, what, like, like was just implemented in Tennessee that I was talking about at the top. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. so again, nationwide by an almost two to one margin. So 49 to 26 Americans say that healthcare should be up to parents and that governments should not be limiting treatments. Um, can I just, I can you, I just add to that? Mm-hmm. So I looked at the cross tabs on that too. Some people will say, well, 49%, it's twice as many, but it's not a, it's not quite a majority. Right. Right. So there's a lot of people who there's still some people who are unsure, That's you right. know, uh, um, about what they think. Okay. Which, which is not a bad thing because no. those are people that Democrats can win over just as much as, you know, Republicans will try to win them over. Mm-hmm. But you want to, you starting at a place where you've got twice as many people who sort of believe your side is a good place. Yes. When I looked at the, when I looked at the, um, the cross tabs on that, it pulled really for, for parental rights, right? Rather than government intrusion, it pulled really strong across multiple demographics and particularly the demographics that Democrats need to win in battleground states and districts, such as independents, women, men, suburbanites, college graduates, mm-hmm. black and Hispanic voters, right? right? So that these are these are the these are the people, these are the voters that Democrats are really going after. And they all agree with Democrats on that issue, that parents should be able to, you know, if they want to in consultation with doctors or, you know, that also with their their kids, make these decisions that they think are best versus the government being able to just step in and saying, we're going to limit what kind of care can be given to these children. Okay, sorry, I interrupted you, Drew. No, no, that's I, I think that's exactly the correct context. Um, and again, is, is evidence supporting this idea that what Republican leaders are doing in many places is very much out of step with what Americans as a whole think is right. Um, it, this idea, I think the poll also shows, extends to um, ideas about access to information. So not just care, but information. And so, um, for example, there's overwhelming support for the idea that doctors should be allowed to answer questions from patients about concerns they might have or questions they might have about sexuality and being uh, transgender without the threat of legal consequences. Overwhelming, 84% doctors should be allowed to answer questions from patients without the threat of legal consequences. Only 8% of people, I mean, almost it's, it's minuscule, say that doctors should be subject to some sort of legal consequences for simply asking questions. Um, and we had a similar question on for uh, teachers in public schools. So even in public schools here, now we're talking about this is a bit more contentious, obviously. Um, majority still supports the idea that teachers in public schools should be allowed to answer questions from students about gay and transgender issues. And people believe that libraries should contain books. Uh, Public libraries, we had a question, should public libraries in your area be allowed to carry books that include information about gay and transgender people in history? 74% yes, only 18% no. Uh, What about school classrooms and school libraries? Should those libraries be uh, allowed to contain books with characters who are gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender? Uh, We've got 56% yes, 39% no. 
There are some, there's a small number in there, 8% say yes, but fewer than there are now. We gave people that option. But the, the idea is that um, there is support among Americans for access to information, access to care, and the right to make their own choices without government interference. Right, right. So, th so there were a lot of, you know, what I think of as positive responses, uh, uh, and Drew obviously does too. Um, and now I'm just going to speak for Drew. I'm done asking him questions. He's just going to sit here. <laughs> tell him. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, yeah, Drew. So, um, but you know, really positive overall responses, even from the get go. And then there's also places, you know, as you can see in the poll with like a 49% plurality, plurality, you know, where, where Democrats can build. Um, but this came despite another, the very first question of the yes. poll asked, um, will you, will you, do you have that right in front of you, Drew? Will you yeah. say what the very first question asked? So I, I thought this was a very interesting kind of twist on, on mm -hmm. the in interpretation of the entire rest of the survey. So the very first question of the survey, and I'll read it here, is, is which of these statements comes closest to your view? And the first option was... Gender is fixed and assigned at birth as either male or female. And the second option is gender is open to different expressions and individuals should have the freedom to identify as something other than the gender assigned to them at birth. And then there's option for neither and unsure. And so what's interesting is that even though later in the survey, as I just described, there's all this support for these ideas of freedom, and autonomy um, on this very first question, a majority actually said that what comes closest to their view is that gender is fixed at birth. And I think what this points to uh, is that in many people's minds, there is a disconnect between what they see as the rights of free adults, of adults to be free, to identify how they feel is right and not necessarily having the, uh, I don't know if you would call it a nuance or a scientific view that many of us have, um, you know, have come to understand, uh, which is that what the, the assignment of male or female at birth um, is, is something different than that. And so people have these two mind, have these two ideas in their mind at the same time, which is that there's and I'm not endorsing this. I'm just describing to you what the yep. results of the survey say, sure. which is that there, they hold two ideas in their mind at the same time, that there is something fixed at birth having to do with gender, whatever that may be, uh, you know, whatever that concept may be, but that that is not incompatible with the idea that as an adult, you should be free to identify how you like and express that how you like. And right. so it, it is okay to operate for many people with those ideas at the same time. And so right. from a policy perspective, the <laughs> fact that many people say, okay, there is something that is fixed to birth, the fact that they may think that does not mean that they don't support freedoms for adults. I think that's a very interesting dichotomy to understand. I, I completely agree. And I just want to run over those numbers again. You said a majority and, you know, it's obviously a majority. Right. It's a 55 percent majority of respondents said they believed uh, gender is fixed at birth. Right. Um, 36 percent said they believe gender is open to expression. 
Um, and 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 this this disconnect, you know, um, like like uh, Drew said, it means that it's not incompatible for people to believe one thing about what I would categorize as biology and believe something different about what I would categorize as freedoms. And I think that, you know, for, for Democrats and for politicians, one of the lessons here is don't get bogged down talking about biology. People have specific uh, thoughts about that and whatever. What, what we broadly agree on as Americans is freedom. You know, the whole mm-hmm. idea of the of 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 the Trump years has been don't tread on me. OK, now they're 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 the same ones that are pretty, you know, gung ho about this whole idea of like limiting, you know, transgender freedoms and whatever. But 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 the whole the the main thing here is that the emphasis on freedom, on the unalienable right to the pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? This, these are things that Americans still hold dear, even if they don't quite understand that they haven't had many discussions with transgender people, transgender individuals. They don't quite understand what that journey is about. Um, they don't understand what it's like to be living in a body that just feels, you know, completely unnaturally uh, unnatural to what the core of their being is. They don't understand that. Um, a lot of people don't understand that. But that doesn't mean that they don't think that people should have the freedom to live a happy life and the freedom to identify as the gender that they, um, you know, that they think best fits them personally, mm-hmm. um, and the freedom to, um, you know, to access health care, uh, to, you know, read the literature that you want to read, to get the education that you want to get, you know, that type of thing. Like these are, these are fundamental freedoms that America's still by and large believe in, and particularly the voters that Democrats need to join with us in, um, you know, uh, in, in the 2024 election. So I was I thought that was, um, you know, Drew said that was a striking finding. Um, Drew at the top of this uh, at the top of this podcast said he thought that there were some interesting lessons here. I thought that was one of the biggest tells. One of the most important lessons um, is is that while not everybody thinks the same about biology, people still think very similarly on the on the question of freedom. Um, and that's where the emphasis, the uh, Democrats should be putting their emphasis. Yeah, I, I think that there was a uh, when you and I were looking over these results initially, we we sort of asked each other, are we how do we how do we interpret this? Is this positive or negative? And looking at that very first question, we thought, well, this isn't, this isn't what we would like to see. Uh, I mean, right. it is a measurement of how people are thinking. Um, but is this, you know, is this, is this the hopeful outcome that we have wanted? And I think, you know, initially we said, we said, no, this is not what we had hoped to get from this survey. And then as we read on, we saw how these ideas for many people lived side by side. And so the fact that there are people in America who are inclined to say that gender is fixed at birth, it's not the end of the world. And there are people who who think that, um, and yet, despite that, they also believe in 
people's freedoms to express themselves and be who they are. That, that to me, turns an, an unhopeful finding into a very hopeful finding. Uh, it means that when it comes to um, policy and how, uh, how Democrats and, and activists can talk about the issues that we're discussing here, um, there's a path ahead. And as you said, Carrie, it's not about debating about biology and what doctors are writing down on, on birth certificates. It is about how do we uh, live in society and have respect for each other and, um, you know, and, and have uh, autonomy for ourselves and the freedoms that that represents. So it's, you know, the fact that we can see the results we saw despite this other side of beliefs is really an opportunity. And I think that for folks who are going to be talking about these issues uh, in the upcoming months and years, especially as we get to the election, you know, I would hope that the, the findings about the biological aspects of this do not hold people back from the more forward-looking policy aspects of it, which is how do we create opportunities for people to live lives where they are happy, where they are healthy, where they are informed. And there's, there's just overwhelming support for yeah. that sort of set of, uh, you know, that sort of set of ideas. Yeah. I think, you know, I think ever since um, in 2004, the gay marriage bans were sort of credited with, with reelecting um, George W. Bush to office. And I just want to say that if we ever want to have a, a fuller debate about that, I don't think that's actually true. Um, <laughs> it's become lore now. There were a lot of uh, gay marriage bans, same-sex marriage bans on the uh, on the ballot that year. Uh, if you ask Karl Rove, or uh, who's Bush's brain, quote unquote, and or you ask Ken Melman, who was the uh, chairman of the Republican National Committee at the time. Um, they will tell you it was an election on national security. It was a 9-11 election, and they felt safer with George W. Bush than they did with uh, with John Kerry. But, it, you know, this whole idea that that this that uh, same sex marriage ban swept Republicans to these to this big win in 2004 and became a wedge issue, an issue where they could attract some people who would normally vote for Democrats to instead vote for Republicans. And then they try, did the, you know, ran the same play in the midterms in 2006. And those, by the way, those marriage bans passed. But if I remember right, Democrats had a pretty good year that year in the House and retook the majority and, you know, and took control of the House. Republicans were really like those. That was the salad days of their anti-gay sort of the beginning of them, like feeling really self-righteous with their anti-gay agenda and thinking that they scored a lot of political points and were, you know, just chipping away some Democratic votes and getting them to vote for Republicans based on conservative views about about marriage. They have been searching for that ever since. And I just want to say they think that this, you know, that, that the trans issue is is their is their gay marriage issue. Um, they've been thinking that for three or four cycles now. They've tried it in, in consecutive cycles to target transgender folks um, in the bathroom um, and then transgender youth in sports and then trans, you know, and then now now when you hear Trump talk about it. He is, um, you know, he's 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 actually not even just talking about youth anymore, which was despicable that they were taking Republicans were taking aim at transgender youth anyways. But he's talking 
about Americans at all ages. And the reason that this is, there's a lot of reasons that this is so different than what uh, Republicans think they had in 2004 and 2006. The major one is that the trans, their attacks on transgender rights and transgender freedoms do not exist in isolation. They are at the same time attacking reproductive freedoms and reproductive rights. They are at the same time pushing book bans and censorship. They, you know, freedom of freedom of information, access to information, as uh, as Drew was talking about. Um, they are at the same time, uh, you know, restricting parental rights. It's not just there's not a one-off issue about transgender uh, rights that Republicans are attracting, attacking. We don't have to make the argument. You better be careful if they're going to attract transgender Americans. Then they're going to go ahead and attack women, and they're going to go ahead and attack parents, and they're going to go ahead and attack you know freedom of information and you know First Amendment rights and whatever. That is happening. Mm-hmm. It is happening simultaneously. We don't need people to imagine what it would be like if they came after transgender folks and then after that came after women and came after parents and came after information and came after First Amendment rights and whatever. It is already happening. So no one, no Democrat needs to go out necessarily and and just they talk. I mean, the, the idea here is we can all relate to this. We can all relate to this assault on our freedoms, and Democrats should be talking about that broadly. Yeah, well, there is a well, there was one question on the survey that was very striking that we haven't even gotten to yet. It speaks to this overarching theme of autonomy, uh, and so we asked on this survey whether people agree or disagree with the statement that adults should always hold the ultimate authority over medical decisions for their own bodies, and. This is not a partisan issue. This is an issue where 74% of Americans agree that adults should always hold the ultimate authority over medical decisions for their own bodies. That's 84% of Democrats, but it's also 75% of independents, and it's 62% of Republicans. The other options here on the survey were, well, you could disagree. That was an option. Only 2% said they disagree. Now, there's 23% who said, well, it depends on the situation. And we, you know, we asked this question intentionally in a bit of a vague way, because when you say medical decisions for their own bodies, that could mean all sorts of things. I don't have to enumerate what those are. Um, And we wanted people to interpret that question however they wanted. That's just a statement. Adults should always hold the ultimate authority over their decisions for their own bodies, you know, period. Interpret that how you want. And 23% of people said it depends. And that's that's even 13% of Democrats, 34% of Republicans. But overwhelmingly, what I thought was noteworthy is that by far, most people, they didn't want the hedge. They just said yes. They just said yes. 74% yes. So for anyone who is talking about any of these issues, Carrie, that you're describing, they all they are all tied together under this umbrella of autonomy, of, of personal autonomy. And this is an idea that people get. You take away all the partisan rhetoric, you take away you know, all of the bills and the finger pointing and the demonization and the bigotry, people get this very simple idea that adults should have the ultimate authority. And you can it's a starting point for a lot of 
other important things. You can use it to talk about transgender health. You can use it to talk about reproductive rights. You can use it to talk about, you know, screening and whatever it may be. Uh, it's all it's all there. Um, and it's something that's affirmative. It's not reactive. It is about people um, being trusted to do what they, you know, what they know is right for themselves, um, free of government threats, restrictions, coercion, whatever it may Bullying. be. Government bullying. bullying. I mean, I just can't believe the government bullying going on right now by the Rep I mean, I shouldn't, I sh they shouldn't surprise me, but having <clears throat> covered what they did during the same-sex marriage battle and, and other things. But so I, I think this is a very good place uh, to leave it. Um, I do want to just go back and tell people where they can find this information. They can, um, I wrote it up under the headline, Americans broadly reject Republican attacks on transgender freedoms. So if you Google Daily Coast and then Americans broadly reject Republican attacks on transgender freedoms, you can uh, get my article and I link to the poll in that. Uh, Drew, will you go ahead again and tell them where you did your report? Because Civics did a, a separate report on it. Will you tell them where they can find that? Yeah, so if you go uh, over to civics.com, so it's C-I-V-I-Q-S, Com. Uh, we have a news and reports section, and right at the top there, there will be a write-up of this most recent poll with a link to the full cross-tabs you can see for yourself, and then a little write-up that we did describing the results. And we'll do another one of these, what, in a month or so on another topic. This is a very fun collaboration for us and something that, that we like to do to you know keep, keep a pulse on things and give you and the other writers and your colleagues... Uh, some information to write about. Okay. So thank you, Drew, for Drew Linzer for joining me today. Um, I think Marcos is going to be back next week. And uh, we just appreciate so much everybody joining uh, and being involved. Have a, a great week. I hope that <laughs> you feel better than I do. <laughs> okay. Okay.